this is Bree here. And this is Kiana. And you're listening to With a Little Help from My Friends. This week we have our guest speaker here with us, and her name is Hannah. And to just kind of introduce Hannah, she and I became friends last year. Um, we had a class together, and we had to work with like a group. And so we were both in the same group, and we kind of just like clicked and became friends and kept doing stuff and kind of stayed in contact through like the summer and tried to take classes together <laughs> for the fall. And then it didn't actually end up working out. And <laughs> then this like first week into the semester, both of us had to change our schedules. And so we ended up taking like two or three classes together now. Two classes. So it's been good. And so that's a little bit about how we know each other. Um, Bree, do you want to kind of talk about what this episode is going to be talking about? Definitely. So something that I feel like a lot of, especially young women our age, struggle with is being able to love ourselves and being able to love our bodies and being able to overcome society's view of how we need to look and act. And so we wanted to talk to Hannah because she's been an awesome example. Um, Kiana's told me a ton about you, Hannah, and just how much you have have inspired her. And so we're super excited to talk about self-love today with you. Yeah. So just a little bit uh, more about Hannah's background. She um, and I became good friends, and we're kind of working on a program proposal right now for one of our classes. And our program proposal encompasses, like, self-love, and it's basically a program for women to come to to encourage them to kind of go through growth as loving themselves, having better self-esteem, building better relationships, um, basically that. I don't right. know. Yeah. What else would you add that we have in that, in that program? Um, probably just overcoming trials and adversities and like how social media affects you and how society really thinks that you have to look and act a certain way, but everyone is so different and that's okay. Everyone yeah. can be different and still, um, be involved and be accepted and happy for who they are. Perfect. So some of the, the reason why we we decided to choose this for our program proposal was Hannah struggled as a teenager with an eating disorder. And so we had come to class and they were asking like, what are, what are you passionate about and stuff? And so we were talking about that. And I was like, well, let's do that. And women and like self-love because I'm all about that stuff. And I'm <laughs> all about making people feel <laughs> I like love to make people feel better about themselves. And I always am just like, know that you're amazing. Know that you're amazing. Like you're beautiful. You're great. Like you don't need to change. You're perfect the way you are. And so I feel like Hannah and I together love the same stuff. So that's kind of that. But let's talk about Hannah. So do you want to introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners? So my name is Hannah. I have a little boy. He will be three um, this December. I have lived all over the place. Um, I've seen lots of different cultures, which I think has affected sort of how I view myself and other people. Um, I grew up here in Utah for most of my life, but I've lived in Texas and California, and those are very different places. In Texas, I lived on the Bible Belt, so it was a lot of religion um, with really with a really set of expectations of how you should look and act, so that definitely affected me growing up as a teenager, being there from like 13 to 15. So Hannah, growing up in that situation, did you feel like that is what led you to your eating disorder? 
So I think, yes, I do think that was a part of it, but um, in the beginning, I think it started when I was taking acting classes and um, being on TV. So I was taking ad- um, acting and etiquette classes, and um, we would practice at my manager's office with lots of other people, and they have what they call a T runway. So you start at the bottom of the T, and you walk to the middle, and then you go left and right, and the whole time they are critiquing you as you do it, and then afterwards, they just tell you everything you did wrong. They never say, hey, good job when you did this. That was great. You're improving. It's more of like your arm is moving too much. You need to stand straighter, but your shoulder's back. You need to do this. And even as an 11-year-old, um, I remember them saying to my sister that she needed to lose weight. And I think she was 12 at the time. She's a 12-year-old, and she's having an adult tell her that she needs to lose weight, and they were dying you know, their hair, and they told my little sister, you always need to curl your hair for auditions. So I think that was definitely a part of body comparison and feeling like um, I was inadequate the way I was um, just because they really were telling you you are inadequate and this is how you need to change to um, be liked and to be accepted. So when did you begin your eating disorder? When did it start taking a bigger role in your everyday life? I think probably the first time I, so I would call myself an anorexic. I've never really binged or purged or anything like that, but I have skipped meals. And I think the first time I did that was actually after leaving a treatment center for uh, women who had eating disorders. So when I was 11, my parents got separated and then they were divorced by the time I was like 14. So I moved with my little sister and my older sister um, with my mom to Texas. So she became a single mom, and I think that was really tough for her just being a single mom, and I know how hard that is. But um, I think I was also the closest with my dad um, of the three girls, so that was really hard on me, and I think I acted out a lot because of that because I missed him, and I felt like I needed to be with him versus my mom because I'd always um, had a better connection with him. So... I was definitely acting out, and I was probably really hard to be around when I was a teenager, but my mom put me in this treatment center called Shades of Hope, and it was a really great place. I made a lot of lasting relationships. I'm still in contact with a lot of the girls there, but I had never really um, participated in an eating disorder before then. I think um, it sort of opened up a pathway to me, like, oh, well, this is how I can do it, because... You know, at the the breakfast and the lunch and the dinner, you had to eat every bite on your plate. And that was really hard for some of the girls there because they were anorexics and they were only eating lettuce. Like, they'd eat, like, two leaves of lettuce a day and they would only allow themselves to drink a certain amount of water. So I think after seeing that and being around it and looking at these just beautiful women, because in my opinion, they were beautiful. They were all different shapes and sizes, and I accepted them for who they are. I felt like, oh, well, they're doing it, and I think they're beautiful. Maybe I can do that, and then I'll be beautiful. And I had always struggled with body dysmorphia in comparison and perfectionism. So, so just for people that don't know, what is body dysmorphia? So body dysmorphia is when you look in the mirror, you don't see um, your... your um, your real reflection. You don't see the reality of the situation. So for a lot of anorexics, you see someone who is much larger than what is really there. And it really is a brain rewiring. So it's not like you're just imagining it is that you, it's your brain has literally rewired to see someone that is not the person you're seeing like that, what everyone else sees. So there was actually, um, an activity there and we, oh, this is so 
crazy to me. It was just, it was like a light bulb for me. And I was so young and looking back, it didn't impact me until later being able to realize the big impact it had. But we had an activity where we had to lay down on a piece of paper and they were, well, first we had to draw what we thought we looked like, which that was like terrifying because they were asking us to just draw out all of our flaws and imperfections on a piece of paper so everyone else there could see. And that was terrifying. And I was like, I think I was 15 when I was there. So I drew what I really saw myself as in the mirror. And then they had you lay down and they traced you. And it was just baffling to me. The person that they um, had traced was much, much smaller than the person I had drawn. I had really seen for a year someone who was maybe a hundred pounds heavier than the person that they stenciled. It was, it was really shocking to me. So my question is, what are some triggers that now, cause you're, I mean, you've struggled with it for a couple years and you're at a better place now. Right. What are some triggers for you that cause you to, sh to struggle again with not eating? Um, I think the triggers have actually changed over time. So I think when I was in high school, a trigger could really... Um, do you guys remember Formspring, the website where I was like anonymous? And you had you you had like an account and people could anonymously ask you questions or tell you things. So that was like yeah. really big where I lived and everyone had an account and everyone wanted to be anonymously asked a question. Um, and instead of asking me a question, people would just say, like, you are so ugly, you are so fat, oh I can't believe you live here, go back to Utah, you know, just all these horrible things. So that I think that was social media started to be a trigger for me is I would get anxiety logging on to the computer to look at Facebook, or at the time, MySpace was, like, still huge. <laughs> and I think another trigger was, like, you're comparing yourself to um, who you think is the most popular, prettiest girl in school, you know, you pick that girl and you're like, oh, she's beautiful. She's the most popular. Boys love her. She's the most friends. And you see how many likes and comments she gets on her posts. And when you don't get that many likes or comments on your posts, that became a trigger. And I remember um, when form screen was huge and I was getting all of those anonymous quote questions and quote, um, I, that was like the really big start. I started to cycle um, like 24 miles a day. And I would eat, I would only eat the, like the serving size of popcorn shrimp on the box, which is like 11 popcorn shrimp. And I would not eat it with any ketchup because ketchup was like, it came straight from hell. I could only eat the 11 popcorn shrimp and I would only eat it. I would not eat breakfast and then I would eat the popcorn shrimp at like two or three in the afternoon and I'd have already cycled like 15 miles before. And this whole time I'd be watching like Gilmore Girls because they had such cool, happy lives, and they were funny. And then I'd cycle, like, another 10 or 15 after I ate my 11 popcorn shrimp. So I did that for a summer, and I lost, like, 25 pounds. And I was like, okay, well, this works. And so I think that was a big trigger when I was younger. Whereas now, because I think I've learned a lot, I've done some therapy, and I've really come to terms with some trauma that happened when I was younger, Triggers now are when I feel like a relationship is going bad or there's really big conflict. So one of the most important people in my life is my dad, and I value his opinion probably higher than um, my mom's opinion or some other siblings. I just think he's got a really good head on his shoulders, but he does not understand 
mental illness or anorexia or eating disorders in any way and it's like you can try explaining it to him in 101 different ways and he still just doesn't understand I think he just will never really understand because he can't really put himself in that place so when there's conflict with my dad I think that's a really big trigger for me because I think just growing up like I mentioned earlier I was really close with him and I really wanted him to be proud of me especially after the divorce so any conflict with my dad really is a big trigger to skip meals because I think, I don't know what the correlation is, but some, you know, somewhere in my brain, it's if I skip a meal, then my dad will notice, but he doesn't necessarily ever tend to notice that I'm skipping meals. It's more like I notice that I'm suffering and I'm still not getting the attention that I wanted. And I think, again, that comes from me being younger and living with my mom and my dad living states away and me just like craving a relationship with my dad. So triggers change. I think it's important for just what you've said, how, because it's not like they've gone away. No. And that's something you're probably going to struggle with your entire life. life. It's like the same with addiction. You will always have triggers with addiction. You'll always have triggers to skip a meal or, you know, you could just be at the store and you're in the grocery aisles and someone makes like an offhand comment that they don't think you're going to hear and that can be a trigger. Yeah. So I think it's important for people to to understand that they're that if they're struggling with something whether it's a mental illness, eating disorder, addiction, what whatever it is, that some of those things are going to be a lifelong struggle. Right. And that you kind of need to kind of how how you've been be self-aware and learn what those are for you individually to be able to cope with them and to be able to overcome them because you feel like now Knowing that your dad's kind of like a trigger for that, are you a little bit more cautious, do you think? Um, I wouldn't say cautious. Like, I still um, I still really try to make him aware of the situation because I think the more vulnerable and honest you are, it opens up for um, other women to be vulnerable and honest about their child's adversities. And no one is perfect, but everyone has this idea that everyone is perfect. And when you are comparing yourself to all these other women, most of the time they're comparing yourself they are comparing themselves to you as well. So yeah. I think um, I really still try and talk to him about it and be honorable because I think the more I talk to him, the more he's got to understand. Um, but I still feel like there are some times when I skip a meal when there's when there's conflict, but then I'm also like, okay, well, I'm not going to beat myself up over it anymore because I know it used to be really shameful, like, oh, well, dang it, you know, I've already skipped one meal. I might as well just not eat for the rest of the day. And then in the morning, you're like, well, I didn't eat yesterday. I might as well just try not to eat today. Where that used to be a, a real constant. Now it's it's more like, well, I didn't eat breakfast because I had an argument with dad. That's okay. I'm just going to make sure I eat really well for lunch. I'm going to make sure I've got lots of proteins and lots of vegetables that are going to nourish my body. And I think another part of that is you need to be eating mindfully, like intuitively, whereas, oh, well, it's 3 o'clock. I better eat something. That way I don't skip a meal. You're you're Based on what you eat, you might not be hungry for a couple hours, so... I think it's really important to listen to your body as well and just kind of trust your body to know what it's doing. No, I totally agree with that as well. I think a lot of people, they don't really understand the importance of why we eat. Right. They think it's just something that we do. It's a culture thing. And for a lot of cultures, it is a culture thing. I remember um, when I was in Arizona, I was around a lot of people from Mexico and eating is a culture thing no matter what you're doing if you're with people you're eating yeah and honestly for me 
I was eating way more than I needed to, than I wanted to. Honestly, every day I would walk and unbutton my pants, <laughs> sit down, and I just have to breathe for a second because I was eating so much just because everyone was, to them, it was, I'm showing my love, I'm going to feed you. Right. But the reason we eat is to nourish our body. It's to take care of our body so that we feel good, so that we can do the things that we want to do. And and because we love our bodies too. Do you do you feel like now you have a, a better love for your body? Yeah. Well, okay, I want to add into that. So I was going to say, I, I'd love for you to answer Bree's question of like, do you have a love for your body? But also, how have you, how have you come to love yourself? Because if you know Hannah, she's like... <laughs> She's just the most bomb person. I don't even know how to <laughs> describe it. But, like, one thing I just love and admire about Hannah is you'll listen to her. And she she's always complimenting people, which I just think is so awesome. You, like, come in and she's like, oh, you look, like, cute. But it's not even just about appearance. It'll be, like, about who you are. And I remember, like, the first time within meeting her, I had said, like, a negative comment about myself. And she, she was like, she, she shut me down. And she was like, no, don't say that. You can Girl, say like three you are worth so much more than what you look like. <laughs> and so she like put me in my place and I was like, dang, like I needed that. And, and so the, just somebody to be around somebody that's like that, you know, that she's gone through her own things and that she feels that way and she wants other people to believe that. And so how have you gotten to that point too, along with what Bree said? Uh, yes, I do feel like I love myself more than I used to, but it is definitely a process. It is not going to happen overnight. I feel like just even two weeks ago, I was talking to you and I'm like, dang, I'm really low right now. I really want to skip meals. I'm really stressed out. So you are still definitely going to have days where you feel like you're 10 steps backwards. It's important, I think, just to be, to be mindful of your journey, you know? I think, what's that saying? You know, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, yeah. you know? And it's exactly <laughs> that. It's not like you are never going to get to that destination where all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I'm perfect. I don't care what anyone thinks about me anymore. I can love myself completely. You're never really going to get there because just as a human being, you are bound to, to be negative sometimes. You're, you are... We have emotions. That is like what sets us apart from a lot of other species is that we have emotions and we have a brain that thrives on emotion. We thrive around, around being other people and learning to love ourselves, I think, is just a part of sort of accepting that that's who we are as human beings. So I think I really got to a point of um, accepting my flaws when I realized that everyone has them and that society is just trying to make money off of flaws where you know I mean I think it was like the 1930s or 1940s correct me if I'm wrong don't quote me on this but cellulite the word cellulite literally was added to the dictionary because a woman in a magazine was like you know cellulite is really bad you know men don't like this blah, 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 all this stuff and they like sent it out to women and so all of a sudden women were like oh my gosh I've got to get rid of this cellulite you know like a month or two later all of a sudden there was this magic product that would get rid of cellulite. And the woman who decided to do that is a millionaire. She literally decided to create a flaw and brand it to women that they needed to fix it. And that is what society does. And when you not diet... Not just to women either. Yeah, not just to women. Men. It's to men as well. well. And your, your self-image and your self-esteem. Of Absolutely. Like, oh, you're losing hair? Well, men can't yeah, wear long. You, you <laughs> yeah, get the hair plugs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't have long eyelashes? Get extensions. Here you go. Oh, you 
I mean, everything. Everything's yeah. targeted to your ego, to your self-confidence. Yeah, I think Wear this dress to look the best. You need these shoes you need space to because having a little bit of fat in your stomach, God forbid, yeah. having fat on your body well, is a bad thing. What I love is there is... Okay, that... That movie that Amy Schumer I feel pretty. Said. Yeah, Amy Schumer. I, feel, I love that movie. Such a good movie. But I love that they talked about, at one point, they say, when you're a kid, you dance around in a swimsuit. It, naked. You dance around <laughs> naked. <laughs> and you just let care. your bellies and your bellies out. There. And it's cute. And you're yes. like, oh, I look so good. And nobody and thinks anything No, and it. when it's does true. it go from being, oh, my God, that girl is so cute, to girl, cover it up? Yeah. Like, oh, you can't look like that. That's not acceptable. That is so true. And it's like, we create that, but it's sad because it's not even just, it's like a mentality. It's not even just, it's society, 100%. but it's, it's oh, you sure. encompass that yourself, you know? Like, because I can't tell you how many times years ago that I look at people and be like, yeah, they're not pretty enough. And it's that's true. awful. Like, I'm trying to no, fix that No, but everyone does that. But we all do that. Everyone. It's honestly a problem because I remember, so I, growing up, I did ballet. And Oof. ballet is very, your it's kind of the same thing. Everything you do is... It critiqued. is judged and critiqued. Yeah. And luckily, I had amazing instructors that always were uplifting. And I remember them even talking about eating disorders to us and making sure that we were aware and making sure that we knew that we were, that we were beautiful girls. And just because that they were telling us to straighten our arms or to have better posture didn't have anything to do with our worth it honestly was just part of think of it like a sport you know how healthy how healthy you are and so I had amazing instructors but even though I still had that support I would still compare myself to every girl I would go to competitions and compare myself to oh wow that girl she looks like she's a size one yeah she's how can I get to that point and it's so unhealthy, and I don't honestly feel like no one ever told me I was big. No one ever told me that I was... You created that. I created that in my mind. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy because you'd sit here, and in just a room full of anyone, really, you'd compliment someone, and I'd say, like, oh, Brie, I love your smile, or I love your hair, or even something on outward appearance, right? Mm-hmm. And then I could, I could say something about your inner self. Like, oh, I love that Brie is just the nicest person. She's kind and caring, and she always makes other people around her feel uplifted, right? Right. But then we would come back with, like, five negative comments about, oh, well, I'm not this and I'm not that, and we don't just accept it. But what's crazy is I'll sit here and I'll say that about Brie, and then she'd have something to say that's, like, positive about you. Right. And you'd have something to say that's positive about that person, but we don't say them. Like, how often do we compliment people or how often do we say to people oh you're great at this you know exactly and, and, and we just judge you judge and we judge good and bad but we never express the good and even when we compliment people I feel like most of the compliments I give are on outward appearance yeah it's based off appearance and I want to change that because I want people to realize you aren't what you look like no. you your, so your much worth is not based on your appearance okay so one of the the program proposal that we did, we had to do a survey for this week, right? <sighs> the responses that we got, like, Hannah and I both got emotional reading them. I almost cried. Because they are so sad. Some, the way people view themselves and the way people view their bodies. And so many people commented, like, 
I, I just, don't. As like, long as I don't care what I look like, I don't care what I'm eating. As long as I'm under a hundred pounds. What? I'm not kidding. Like, it's so hard because we just have created this society that seriously just and and we do it too. Like I'm part of it. That just bashes on each other and puts people down and I just want to change it so bad because it's sad that people feel that way or they feel I'm not pretty enough unless I have this and so many people say like I struggle with cellulite and my thighs like we said what do you not like about your body or what what would you change in regards to your body image and so many of those different different things um I would say like a lot of people responded that I think that the younger people who took the survey reported that they were more focused on losing weight and being having an acceptable appearance versus the older women who took the survey reported, you know, learning how to be healthy or accept and love themselves. So I think that's part of society and also correlated with how many hours they spent on social media. The more hours they spent on social media, the they, you know, we had a statement that said, I love my body, you know, strongly agree, agree, disagree. Um, strongly disagree or like neutral and everyone who well most of the people who um, spent more than 50 hours on social media strongly agreed that they criticized their body and they strongly disagreed that they loved their body and I think that just shows that social media for the most part can have a negative influence on how you value yourself and how you look at yourself and compare yourself to other women well and one of the I love so we had a, a comment section a person wrote, how to accept myself completely. In my head, I know my worth is not correlated with my image, but something keeps me from truly believing it. And I was just like, and we got to add that in to our paper because I think there's a lot of us, you know, like I know my worth isn't determined on my appearance. Do I think your appearance is still like an important part of who you are? Sure. Because I think, you know, in order for me to go out and do things like I want to feel good about who I am and, right. and myself. I'm not saying don't wear mascara or yeah, but when whatever. you when you feel like you look good, it's you feel you feel more confident. It's just you like do. when you put on your favorite outfit, you go out and you're like, heck yeah, I can do anything. I can I can top the world, you know. But when you go out and you feel like I don't have makeup on, or you know, you're wearing your sweats because sweats are <laughs> sweats or are you bad. just don't feel good because you're not, you know. I think what that, society that, thinks you should look like. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that that plays part. You need to not dress as much for, for others, for but, others but, but yourself yeah. and where you feel good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because right. I could go out in my sweats and be like, yeah, I'm feeling good today. I wear leggings every day. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, but somebody else might not feel good yeah. wearing sweats every day. So, so I think it really needs to be for yourself and for who you, you are. Right. I agree. And with that comparison that we are making as we're going out and comparing ourselves to everyone else I think we have to realize what truly is reality that we're comparing ourselves to because most of the things that we are comparing ourselves to are not real no right and so when we look to social media how many pictures are we actually looking at that are raw yeah, that are not edited, have no filters, completely 100%. Aren't photoshopped to make the models look taller, skinnier. Than right. Exactly. Better e- skin. Even, like, family members that I have. I remember I posted a picture the other day, and I won't say what family member, because they'll get very <laughs> mad at me. But she looked at me, she's like, you can't post that, I need to edit it. And she is gorgeous. Like, people tell her she looks like Tyra Banks all the time. Oh, my gosh. And she looked gorgeous, and I was so mad at her because (laughs) 
She. <laughs> what? Yeah. There's no reason to edit your flaws yeah. because they make her so beautiful and perfect in my eyes, at least. Well, okay, so <laughs> when we talk about flaws, I have to add in that I have braces now and I'm 23. I love your braces. Can I just say you <laughs> no. rock those? Seriously. And she looks so cute, so cute in her but, braces. I think if I had braces, I'd just like metal mouth. Yeah, but but so many people, like that is something that I struggle with, right? You know, because I, <laughs> I've never had them. And now I have to have them. <laughs> and it is. It's something that's, that's put my self-confidence, I think, lower than mm-hmm. it has been before. And I'm working to overcome that. And I try to just smile more and to just accept it and, and own it. And then I'm going to have them. And you do. But I think yeah, that's something do. that's kind of helped me, like, to be more understanding about people with their imperfections or flaws that they may have. Not saying that that's the only one I've ever felt like I've had in my life. Like, mm-hmm. I have plenty. But... That's one that for me has been super hard to overcome in the last year with feeling okay with that and accepting it. That's awesome. You know? It, it creates empathy. So what habits do you feel like you've developed or have now that help you with your self-worth and feeling confident? Uh, I think the number one thing is to unfollow the Kardashians. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I was a big fan of Kylie Jenner. <laughs> I loved Kylie Jenner. There used to be this app where she would, like, record little videos of her. And I remember being a senior in high school and, like, watching those videos every day after school and being like, Kylie Jenner is so cool. You know, and my mom has always watched reality TV shows. So I feel like she was always watching the Kardashians. So um, I'm in this group on Facebook by Mel Wells. She... Um, she promotes just sort of, you know, following real people and knowing that celebrities more often than not are going to edit their photos because they're being paid to look good. They get their makeup done every single day, even when you think they're looking natural and they, you know, hashtag no edit. They have a full face of makeup. Their eyebrows are done. They have had someone who's been doing hair for years style their hair to look like it's undone. But it took him three hours to get that way. So I think, seriously, the number one thing is to unfollow celebrities, people who are constantly posting awesome pictures of themselves. Well, I think it, it doesn't even have to be celebrities. I think it's just who who influences you. You know what I mean? Right. Because mm-hmm. there's people that you could look at their, their Instagrams or social media or posts, and you're going to feel bad about yourself. Yeah. Why Why do that to yourself? Just yeah. unfollow them. I right. have a friend, she struggled with anorexia and her therapist, that was one of the last steps of her therapy was to go through and unfollow anyone that made her question her own self-image. And right. she said she had unfollow friends even that she was close to. Oh, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to follow everyone. Follow who... When you look at your page, make sure it's filled with light and makes you feel better after you leave if you're using social media. Yeah, yeah my Instagram used to be, I would edit every photo, and it was like you were saying your sister earlier, I would not let anyone upload a photo unless it had been edited, and I felt like I looked really good, my double chin was hiding, you know, I had to look perfect before I'd post a photo, whereas now I just really try and post really natural photos. I try not to edit anything because... I think, again, like I said earlier, the more honest and vulnerable you are, it opens up a door for everyone else to be honest and vulnerable because they can say, well, hey, she's doing it and she didn't end the world, you know. Yeah. She's alive and she's posting a photo with no makeup on, all natural, and she looks good. Where I think I just posted one the other day and I 
I had been feeling really down and I was like, no, I'm posting this photo for me to show that my, my appearance does not affect my worth, you know? And I think that's important to, to feel that way, but to be open about that. I think that's one thing that's really helped me is, you know, so unfollowing people who you compare yourself to. So side note, I love Demi Lovato. I will always follow Demi Lovato and she always does this no makeup Monday um, so I try and do no makeup Monday. So I have this business on Facebook. So if I go live on a Monday, I do not wear makeup and I make that very clear. And I am terrified. Just the other day I had a really bad sunburn and I was like, I look like a lobster. <laughs> like I need to put some foundation on some concealer, but it was a Monday. So I, you know, had no makeup on my face, and everyone was like, wow, you look so beautiful, so sun-kissed, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, it's like something that was really, really scary to me opened up the door for other women to be, to be natural, and to feel beautiful with just, you know, you know, like Beyonce says, I woke up like this. <laughs> I yeah. woke up like this. Well, Hannah's Flawless. a woman boss. She's, she owns her own business, That's which awesome. is sweet. So Hannah, what advice would you give to anyone that is struggling with an eating disorder? This is honestly a really tough question. Um, I think probably the most important thing to do is, I think first you have to recognize it. As I think when I was younger, I didn't recognize that I was skipping meals and that it was a problem. So I think like any really with addiction, they say the first, you know, the first step is that you have to recognize that you have a problem. And I think you need to, you need to know that your body is worth so much more than what people think of it. And a lot of people, for me, I'll just speak from my experience, you know, if I, you know, want to go out and let's say I want to be a CEO or a business owner of a Fortune 500 company, if I don't feed my brain healthy food, my brain won't work. I cannot adequately survive on junk food. I cannot adequately survive on water or you know, two leaves of lettuce to, I think, to reach your goals and to succeed and to really shoot for your dreams, you need to, to feed yourself nourishly. You need to feed yourself that is going to, to give you energy and help you sleep better. I think that's really, really important is to know that your body, you only have one body, like you cannot get another body. If you don't take care of your body now, it's really going to suck when you're like 60 and you're at the doctor like every day, you know, trying to figure out what's wrong with your body. Um, but I think probably another important thing is for those who are struggling with an eating disorder, know that you are not alone. There are millions of women and men on this earth who also struggle with an eating disorder, whether you are skipping meals or you are you're binging and purging or you're just overeating, whatever it is, you are not alone. You will never be alone. There is always going to be a support system. If it's not your family, it can be strangers across the world. I have found some just fantastic relationships with women who I've never even met before, but they, they support me and I am in turn able to support them. And through honesty and being vulnerable, we have sort of created a community of women who have learned to love themselves and who've learned that you know, society does not dictate who you are. It doesn't dictate your worth. And you are not alone. You are strong and you can succeed. You can eat. You can be beautiful exactly who you are. You don't need to change yourself for anyone. Just love you. I love that. I just wanted to end with 
to let anybody know that, that listens to this podcast or hears it, um, that you're not alone. And that if you ever feel like you are alone, please reach out. Bree and I or Hannah or Brayden would be more than happy to to help somebody that's struggling. Um, so just know that, that you can always reach out, that we're here to be a community. Or if you know someone that is struggling, please share this with them so that they can know that there is a support and that there is hope. And then also to just kind of give our listeners a challenge this week, go out and and do something, compliment somebody on their their true self or what would you call that? Their intrinsic. Yeah, their intrinsic self and their intrinsic value and, and compliment them and let them know that they are amazing, right? you to do that and if you do comment back on our and share thank you for listening and Hannah we are so grateful that you came and we said so many things that are going to be so As always, thanks to Graydon, our audio specialist, and thank you for listening. It means a lot to have your support. Follow us on Instagram at a little help for my friends. And if you have any comments or would like to get in touch with Bree and I, email us at a little help from Bree and Kiana at gmail.com. Yeah, and make sure to share this podcast with someone who needs a little help from a friend. Tune in for our next episode, and we hope you have a great week.